The Free Vision app is where you'll find a growing range of on-demand audio and video to help you look to God daily. Search Vision Christian Media in your app store. Coming up today on The Story. So what we did was we sold up our house and I resigned my job and then I waited and I just, I was waiting on the Lord. I just said, Lord, you know, if, if you're going to make this happen, you've got to make it happen. And then by the middle of the year, yeah, the Holy Spirit had just been saying to me, look, you, you need to go. You just need to get on an aeroplane and go to Australia. And I, yeah, I just booked tickets and just said, there we go. We, we're going. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, on the last couple of programs, we've been hearing Hilton Edwards share his story of becoming a Christian in South Africa and all the ways that God began to use him in ministry. Today, Hilton joins us once again to share more of his story and how he eventually decides to leave South Africa in faith that God has something for him to do in Australia. Once again, Hilton Edwards is chatting with Eric Scatterbo, and this time he's joining us from his office in Sydney. Welcome back to the program, Hilton Edwards. Thanks very much, Eric. So good to be here. When we last talked to you, you had become a Christian in South Africa. You got involved with Focus on the Family, working for them. And then on the side, you helped start an orphanage. And that was very exciting, and that touched your heart. What happened next in your life? Well, Eric, uh, yeah, from there, uh, I really thought that uh, I'd arrived in, in one way or another because you, you kind of you know want a journey with God uh, in as best possible way as you can. But the reality was that things started to, to go wrong in my life, and uh, I actually sadly ended up getting divorced. Mm. Um, and obviously, that's not a, a great thing to do when mm-hmm. you're working for Focus on the Family. You actually, you know, yeah. it's... it's you're, you're working for a ministry that's saying, you know, build strong families and your own one was falling apart. So that was a very, very difficult time for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, difficult journey, but uh, God carried me through that. And um, throughout that time, I just I, I constantly felt the Lord just, uh, you know, still speaking to my life and still keeping me on track, even although, you know, the rest of my life felt like it was pretty much falling apart. So yeah, difficult time, uh, resigned my job. And I can imagine the devil was saying to you, uh, you think you're a successful Christian. Look at you. Your your marriage is falling apart. I mean, was that going yeah. on? Absolutely. That was exactly what was going on. Because, um, you know, I'd felt, because I'd given my life to the Lord, I'd become a Christian, and I'd started out on a journey whereby I was working for a Christian organization. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, I'm really on the right track right now. And so, yeah, absolutely. The enemy comes in and, mm-hmm. and tries to throw you off course. And uh he tried his best. Uh, it didn't work. <laughs> so, so I just, uh, you know, clung to God like really, really tightly mm-hmm. because I needed, I needed God to actually carry me through that season, and that's exactly what He did. And so, yeah, difficult. Probably, I'd say about two years. In fact, at that stage, I was running marathons. So, I was going out every night, and I was running twenty to thirty kilometers per night. Oh wow! <laughs> Yeah, so I was I was wow. putting in about 140 to 180 kilometers a week mm-hmm. of running, and and I literally just used to run to get sufficiently physically tired so that I could sleep because my mind was just buzzing with all oh. that had been going on, mm-hmm. and so that was that was my way of dealing with it from a sort of practical physical perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I just ran a lot more than I'd run before, so so yeah, I was I was doing a lot of kilometers on the road. Uh, and just making sure that I was physically tired so that when I got into bed, my mind would just switch off. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of all this, 
you were feeling called to go into ministry as a pastor? Yeah, absolutely. So I'd, I'd actually started uh, studying, um, you know, so within the church that I was with in South Africa, they want you to do five years of itinerant ministry, mm-hmm. uh, which is mostly at uh, churches, rural churches. Um, mm-hmm. So I did that, which is great because my heart really is for cross-cultural ministry. And mm-hmm. uh, it really, really, I didn't realize that at that stage, but that was, you know, the sort of start of it. And um, in addition to that, then obviously the studies to get the, the degree, the theological degree as well. So so I'd started on both of those um, with the intention of, of, of qualifying as a pastor or minister. And um, yeah, when, when I was going through the divorce, I, I stopped my studies. I suspended you know, my involvement and my leadership within the church. And I just stepped down from all that mm-hmm. stuff. Because again, you can't really be doing that kind of thing. You really need to, you know, you can't be in a leadership position if, if you, you know, your own life is, is falling apart from a marriage perspective so so that had to be very depressing i mean you had all these things you enjoyed doing and then suddenly you're not doing them yeah and i, I think it, it was it was very disappointing for me it was very sort of disheartening and, mm-hmm. and i i really did yeah i struggled I, I sort of you know kind of cried out to god and said why 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 you know what's mm-hmm. happening sort of thing and i i argued with him i fought with him <laughs> you mm-hmm. know but but it was it was from a place of yeah just disappointment because I felt like I was doing what he called me to do you know mm-hmm. and I, and in some ways I definitely was because I think you know that is what he wanted me to do was to actually you know study uh, for ministry and get into ministry uh, although all the time while I was studying uh, it was always a case of you're going to study you're going to become a pastor but you're not actually necessarily going to go and lead a church because I had the combination of an MBA and my pastoral studies it was kind of like something was going to happen in that space where i wasn't actually going to necessarily need a church as a you know conventional pastor oh, okay. i was actually going to you know move into something that was had some pastoral aspect but then also combined with my my mba so an mba for people who aren't familiar mba is a master's in business administration master's of business administration yeah so so i was doing that when i became a christian so i prayed and i said to god look must i stop this right now and then just go into studying to be a pastor and the answer was clear don't stop and so i completed that and then only after that then i ended up studying uh you know theology and to become a pastor so at this point you're out of doing what you enjoyed your marriage is over then what happened well, I think there was a, you know, it was a definite shift um, in about 2007. And at the end of 2007, I actually came to Australia for the first time ever mm-hmm. and uh, visited my mum and my sister and her family who live in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was just really a holiday. It was, it was just, a, you know, take some time out, um, you know, spend a few weeks in Oz, just have some time to reflect. And it was actually there that my journey to Australia started because I was sitting in the back of a church uh, in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those services that just speaks to you. It doesn't matter whether anybody else is in the congregation. Uh, it just spoke directly to me. And it was all about seasons of your life. And so, so it was, you know, it was just one of those things. Like I thought, okay, God, I'm, I'm listening. I'm hearing, you know. Um, and it was talking about, you know, some seasons will end. Some seasons will start. Some seasons will be difficult, you know. And I thought, well, <laughs> there couldn't be a more appropriate sermon for me at that particular point in time. But I was, I was coming out of, you know, sort of having dealt with my divorce. I, I went into counseling for about two years. I mm-hmm. chatted with a, a great guy who, who was a Christian pastor, actually. He had retired and, and he became, you know, my mentor throughout mm-hmm. that, that journey. 
And so I'd, I'd really journeyed sort of through that. And so when I was sitting in this church in, in Brisbane, um, at the end of the service, yeah, I just put my head down to pray. And, and when I'm in a, a zone with God, I, I kind of block block out the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what happens. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'll just sort of stay in my zone. And, and so the service ended. Everybody else left. And there I was just spending some time in prayer with God. And um, when I put my head up and and sort of thought, oh, my goodness, I better get out of here because it's now empty. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's gone. (laughs) And uh, as I did that, uh, a lady actually tapped me on the shoulder and she was sitting in the the, uh, seat behind me and said, I said, you know, I better get out of here. She said, no, no, have you got time? I said, yeah, I've got time. But I said, you know, everybody's gone. Maybe I I need to, to, you know, move out. And she said, no. So she said, she had a prophetic word for me and that prophetic word, I mean, it was a long thing, it was like 15 minutes, but but the essence of that was that God wanted me to work for him in Australia. Mm. And of course, I just, I denied that. I just said, no ways, uh, maybe you got the wrong person. You know, mm. I'm from South Africa, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Uh, maybe it was for the person on my left or my right or once one seat forward, one seat back. Or something, you know? <laughs> maybe she'd got it wrong, yeah. but she definitely hadn't got it wrong. Um, and so I really wrestled with that. I went back to South Africa and I really wrestled with that because I thought, you know, do you really want me to work for you? I thought, can't you see what I'm doing in South Africa, Lord? Yeah, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd worked for Focus on the Family for a while. I'd, I'd started this AIDS orphanage for this, you know, double AIDS orphans. Mm-hmm. And, and so I was doing a whole lot of things. And I kind of thought, like, does God really want to pull me out of all this stuff and mm-hmm. take me to Australia, which... For me, Australia didn't need Hilton. Um, <laughs> you, you've got enough, you know, good quality Christians here. You know, why, why do you need this guy? You know? um, and so I went back and I, I just, you know, I prayed about it, but I always try to ignore when God was saying through the Holy Spirit, you need to go. <laughs> and so... <laughs> kind of uh, battling with God? Yeah, very much battling with God. Mm-hmm. And uh, for anybody who's done that, you'll know it doesn't work well, doesn't end well. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just and, ask uh, Jonah about that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then in uh, 2009, uh, I actually got colon cancer. And so that was a, another sort of big blow. And it was actually during my cancer journey that I said to the Lord, I said, okay, Lord, you've got me. You've got me. I'm now at mm. my lowest of my lows. I had an operation to cut the cancer out. It was the size of a grapefruit. Um, so it was it was really, really big. And, um, you know, I basically just went through the operation, had chemotherapy for, for six months, had radiation therapy for another three and a half months, and then had electron therapy for another six to eight weeks. And, and literally, it was a year of what I called dead man walking, because that was all it was. I, I, I literally was just alive. That, that was all. So it was just, you know, it was very, very tough. Um, but through that time... God was speaking to me and uh, yeah he was still speaking to me about coming to Australia and so I eventually at the end of um, well I finished my, my chemo and my treatment and everything in about the middle of, of 2010 mm-hmm. and then yeah and then really at the end of end of that year I sort of said okay God I'm, I'm, I'm going and I expected like God to just sort of you know get me a job in Australia and, and I'd be able to you know just come here and, and, and work. Now, now you were remarried at this point? Yeah, yeah, I was remarried at that point, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what we did was we sold up our house and I resigned my job and then 
I waited and I just I was waiting on the Lord. I just said, Lord, you know, if, if you're gonna make this happen, you gotta make it happen. And um and that was actually in the January and then by the middle of the year, yeah, the Holy Spirit had just been saying to me, Look, you you need to go. You just need to get on a God get on an aeroplane and go to Australia and I mean, for those people who understand immigration and, and visas and things like that, they'll know that the longest visa you can get for Australia, you know, without without a, some sort of work or job or, or permanency, is a three-month travel visa or three-month mm-hmm. visitor visa. Yeah. And so that was it. So the middle of the year, I just said, look, that's it. You know, we're going. And uh, so... So you had no definite plans. You just went knowing nothing. you had three months to get something. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's exactly it. Wow. So, yeah, I just booked tickets and just said, there we go, we're going. And, um, yeah, it was was scary in a way because, you know, obviously I didn't know what I was coming to. I'd put all our furniture into storage. I'd I'd done, I'd sort of, we'd sold a house, everything like that. So so we'd kind of packed up South Africa. And, yeah, if if it, obviously if it didn't work, we would have just gone back and got our stuff out of storage and oh, okay. carried on there. But yeah. but that wasn't really the, the thing. It was it was really a case of, you know, you, you couldn't actually ship your stuff until you had a address here and you couldn't get an address here if you didn't have a job here kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. so anyway, so yeah, literally the last two weeks before I, I left, and there was a visiting pastor from Ghana and... Um, you know, it was it was one of those things where, yeah, again, like God was just speaking to me, and he, he actually called me forward, and he said to me, he said, you know, I've I've actually got a word for you. He said, God is going to use you, He's going to use you to springboard people and His word back to Africa, Asia, and other countries around the world. And I thought that's pretty incredible, you know. And, and he said, over, he said, it's going to use you overseas to springboard people back. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is once again chatting with Hilton Edwards, who's originally from South Africa. We just heard how he decided to move to Australia in faith that God had something for him to do here. We'll find out what happens next in Hilton's life when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. Our guest today is once again Hilton Edwards, who was originally from South Africa. Before the break, we heard how Hilton and his wife decided to move to Australia by faith that God had something for him to do here. Now we'll hear what happened next in his life as Hilton continues to share with Eric Scadabo. In September 2011, got on the plane, got you know, landed in, in uh, Brisbane because obviously I was coming to this country. I didn't have anywhere to go except my family. So mm-hmm. yeah. I went to go and stay with my family and... Literally, my, my sister had already bought me a, a SIM card and obviously an Aussie number and, a, and, and put it into a phone here in Australia. And so we get back to her house and this phone starts ringing. And my sister says to me, she says, answer your phone. I said, that's not my phone. She says, it is, it's your Aussie phone. <laughs> so, Which we didn't even know you had. 
<laughs> Which, yeah, I mean, I mean, she told me, she'd given me the number. And so I'd started putting it on applications and, and, and CVs and stuff like that. But I hadn't sort of thought, well, I'm here now. So that phone could start ringing. You know, mm-hmm. it was probably the furthest thing from my mind. And I'd literally only landed like an hour or two before that. So my phone went and uh, it was somebody who'd got a CV from me and they said, we want to interview you. And so on the Monday morning, that was the Friday. On the Monday morning, I'd had the, uh, in the Monday afternoon, I had the interview. Wow. And... Um, yeah, three hours and 45 minutes, the most longest interview I've ever had. It was, you know, long and on Skype. So anyway, at the end of it, they said, okay, uh, you know, we'd like you to come and be interviewed by our CEO. So obviously second round interview. And, uh, mm-hmm. but he was away or something at the time. So it had to be a week later. Um, and yeah, literally within 10 days of landing in Australia, I had a job. Wow. <laughs> So that prompting by the Holy Spirit to move to Australia proved to be prophetic. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and so that, that wasn't this job, but, but that was the start. And that actually mm-hmm. gave me a one-year visa. And then I went on to work for another organization. And then, in, in fact, in, in 2014, one of my mates actually sent me the advert for the marketing position at, at Bible League. And... Um, I was busy preparing my sermon. I'll, I'll never forget. It was the Wednesday night, and I was busy preparing my sermon. And uh, he he texted me and he said, "Hey, there's a job going for you at Barbary." And I thought, "What do you mean? Like, you know, I had a job. I was working. It was only a contract, but you know, I, I kind of didn't really, you know, I didn't mind as long as I'm doing the Lord's work. I, I didn't really mind. Anyway, so I thought, okay, I'll just because I didn't want to interrupt preparing my sermon for Sunday, I just printed it out and put it down." almost like a fleece mm-hmm. and uh, so the next week I'm doing my sermon prep again for the next weekend and uh, the Holy Spirit just says to me apply for the job apply for the job apply for the job and it didn't matter what I did this this you know, voice didn't disappear mm-hmm. and I thought what job and then I like I saw the piece of paper and I picked it up and I looked at it and it was closing that day that oh night. wow so, so of course I quickly put my application in. Yeah, uh, got it through, and then the next day, yeah, they phoned me up. I came for an interview. Uh, I came for a second interview, like I think two days later, and yeah, got the the marketing position at that stage uh, with with Bible League. And what is Bible League for people who aren't familiar with it? Okay, so so Bible League plants Bibles into the hands of essentially two groups of people. So people who either can't afford a Bible or mm-hmm. can't access a Bible. So very much like what the, the words were saying when I, before I was leaving South Africa, you know, you're going to be used in a, in a Bible planting ministry. So mm-hmm. it, it's exactly that. Um, wow. And yeah, it's, and that was it. And I, I mean, I even went back to my journal and I had a look and, and, and read what, you know, what this pastor had said uh, when I was back in South Africa and that that would be the case. Wow. Um, and yeah, so it was just incredible that now I had taken up this place in this Bible planting ministry. And so that was really the journey that God wanted to take me on. And uh, But wait, there is more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So then uh, I started in September 2014 mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, came in and, and worked with the staff and the board and everything. And then by 2017, the, the CEO, Tony, had uh, wanted to retire. And mm-hmm. so he retired and then the board asked me to apply for the CEO position. And um, yeah, here I am, the CEO of Bible League. <laughs> That's right. You are currently the CEO of Bible League Australia, and you have been since 2017? That's, that's correct, yes. So that prophecy 
that prophetic word that you received basically is being fulfilled in what you're doing now in that role. Absolutely, yeah. And what is it that you love the most about what you're doing at Bible League? I think for me, the, the most incredible part is seeing people when they receive a Bible for the first time. Um, you know, I, I think we're, we're blessed. We, we've probably got one or more Bibles each on our shelf at home. Mm. Um, you know, and, and I think we probably take it for granted that we've got that. Mm. But, you know, I've traveled to different countries around the world, and I'll never forget when I went to Mozambique, uh, and that's kind of good because it's, you know, a neighboring country to South Africa. So yeah. I went to Mozambique, and I went to this one church, and we were actually, uh, we'd been running Project Philip there, which is, you know, understanding the Bible, unpacking the Bible, you know, basic discipleship and evangelism. And mm. um, on the particular day I was there, we were actually going to give each member of this congregation their own Bible. And up until that time, they'd actually been sharing three Bibles across the entire congregation. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and it, it, one of those Bibles was actually, it, it was starting to fall apart. And, and it, <laughs> it wasn't even the full Bible because the beginning part and the end part had kind of fallen out. Hmm. And, and I remember we go there and it's not even, it wasn't even like a, a church building. It was just this sort of uh, straw kind of structure and, and wood, wooden sticks and straw kind of structure. And this was church. And, mm. and it was, you know, just the ground underneath. And, and, but the most beautiful harmonies. I mean, no music at all. No musical accompaniment at all. And these people were singing incredibly. It was just mm. the most beautiful singing I've ever heard. And, and then we start, you know, we start the service. And, and, and part of the service was actually to give them each their own Bible. Well, I can remember... I was supposed to be videoing and photographing all of this, but I just, I pressed the record button on the video recorder and I just started crying. Mm. And for 20 minutes, I just sobbed. And I just mm. thought, wow, thank you, Lord, because here I was able to give these 68 people from this one congregation in this little village somewhere in Mozambique, each their own copy of the word. And uh, the, the joy and the excitement on their faces. And they just broke out into spontaneous dance and they mm. didn't stop for like 20 minutes so wow. It was just, wow that's special it was, yeah it is it was so so special and it, it's moments like that that make it all worthwhile you know you know i mean obviously we do stuff in in australia to raise the funds and to be mm. able to place the bibles in those yeah. places but but it's when you actually get to witness something like that and you realize that that there are lives being transformed uh mm. by the work that you're doing it's, it's just absolutely incredible and such a privilege and I understand that your experience as a chef has come back into the picture. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So one of the things I did when I became CEO was I said, you know, previously I'd been in the marketing role. So, so I'd sort of been in the background. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously being the CEO, I now had to come into the foreground. And, and I didn't really know a lot of the supporters and donors and, and prayer partners and things that we have. Mm -hmm. The people that really are part of Bible League in Australia. And so I wanted to get to know them. And I said, what better way than, uh, you know, around a meal? And so what I did was I, I started what I called CEO update events. And, and we'd go from city to city and we'd, we'd hire an Airbnb house and we'd uh, invite people over for dinner. <laughs> and so I'd, I'd cook a, a three-course meal and have people over for dinner and, yeah, just tell stories from the field. And it was just a great way to just network and, and yeah. get people to, to hear my heart. And yeah. uh, for them to ask, ask their questions because everybody has different questions about what mm -hmm. we're doing, you know. And it was just a great way for us to be able to do that. And, 
Yeah, I mean, I remember the event coordinator. She said to me, she said, Hilton, she says, I've Googled this and it's never been done anywhere in the world before. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's really cool. You know, it's, uh, you know, the, the, the CEO, the chief executive officer, um, one of the ladies at, at, one of the, at one of the events actually said, if you take the I, the, the, you know, C-H-I-E-F, the chief executive, you take the I out, you get the chef executive <laughs> officer. <laughs> so in other words, if, if, you, if you take the I out, as in me out, and you oh. become servant-hearted, yeah. you become the chef executive officer. Well, that's, yeah, that's a good point because, you know, as Christians, we're supposed to serve others. And it's not about lording our authority over others, but it's about serving others. And what better way yeah. to serve others than to make them food? Yeah. And that's it. You know, I, I kind of look at what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. he, he got 12 people together. He, he ate meals with them. Yeah. And he shared stories. Sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. I like it all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it really worked. And so, so that really was the, the thing, you know, with, with these CEO update events was that's exactly what I did. And so I started, you know, traveling around the country and, and, and holding these CEO update events. And, and yeah, just cooking meals for, for, for supporters of Bible League and just sharing the stories from the field. And it's been incredible. Hilton Edwards, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you, Eric. It's been an absolute pleasure. Well, that was great to hear Hilton Edwards' wonderful life journey and all the ways God has led him through all the twists and turns in life. As we heard, Hilton is now the Chief Executive Officer of Bible League Australia, or should we say Chef Executive Officer, as Hilton continues to use his skills as a chef to be a blessing to people in his role. Actually, I've loved hearing how God has been using all of the skills that Hilton has been picking up over the years, from getting theological training to getting a master's in business administration to gaining management and marketing experience. God's been using it all for his honour and glory. Maybe Hilton's even using his sewing skills from time to time as well. But seriously, Hilton's story shows how nothing is wasted, that all of the experiences we go through can be used for the Lord, even things that we might not think are very important at the time, but they can turn out to be very beneficial to others at some future point in our lives. We just never know how the Lord is going to use us. Well, to find out more about Bible League Australia, their website is bl.org.au. Once again, that's bl.org.au. Thank you so much for joining us for this three-part series featuring Hilton Edwards' story. I hope it was a blessing to you. And until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I nursed in the outback in Burke, and during the floods in 1990, the matron of the hospital asked me to go and work in a remote community called Angonia. And... We had a clinic there, but she thought it'd get cut off by the floodwaters and and she'd asked all the other RNs and they'd all said no. And she asked me and I said, well, can I take my dog? (laughs) And she said, you can take whatever you like, but just will you go up there for three weeks? And I said, sure. When Lisa Mello reflects back on her life, she usually remembers the different phases by what motorcycle she was riding at the time. You see, riding a motorcycle has played a central part in her life and she even became the first female national coordinator of Australia's Christian Motorcyclists Association. We'll hear Lisa's adventurous life journey next time. The Story. Just another way vision is helping you look to God daily.